Today's episode of the Film State Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast at filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Jerowen. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hello. We also have Bill Graham. Very stabby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so yeah, we're here. It's just the three of us. There's no guests today. I hope that's fine with everyone listening because uh, there's nothing we can do about it. And we are here today to talk about a classic film, and that is Basic Instinct, the 1992 Paul Verhoeven erotic thriller starring Sharon Stone, Michael Douglas, and George Zunza. So yeah, get excited about that. Uh, before we get into that, all the usual stuff, you can find us online, uh, you can get us um at uh, Twitter, at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. And, of course, you can email us podcast at thefilmstage.com. And I'm getting distracted because I'm on Basic Instinct's IMDb page. And the you know how, like, they'll sometimes show a trailer? Mm-hmm. Like, next to, the trailer they're showing seems to be specifically for the DVD release, <laughs> wherein the... The film is presented in a clear ice blue case and appears to come with an ice pick. No. Yeah, I swear to God, you can look it up. It is the most in store September 18th. What year? (laughs) 1997, probably. Oh my God. Do you think some people still have their ice picks from that? I hope so. If someone out there has this, please let me know. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. Email us podcast filmstage.com. Give us a comment or rating on iTunes or whatever. And uh yeah, that's about it. Patreon.com slash the film stage show uh to give us your money and to become a patron of this here podcast. Um and uh yeah. I don't know. Before I go into the movie plug, anyone got anything fun to say? I just got a barbarian. Cool. Oh yeah, what'd you think? Uh. You liked it? Yeah. I I wish I wish we were doing a podcast on it, but maybe we'll do that as part of like a grab bag. But honestly, the the less that you know about that movie, the better, I think. Okay. So Good no to more know. grab bags. <laughs> I know you're anti grab bag. I'm totally anti grab bag. What a waste. Wait, what if we did like one episode on all three Pinocchii that came out this year? <laughs> <laughs> okay. See that? Unfortunately, we'd have to cut this part out because I'm about to make a great statement. What we each should have done is picked a Pinocchio and then come on and each only talked about our Pinocchio (laughs) to the Pinocchio that everyone else is talking about. Yes. Oh, my God. Mine had Polly Shore in it. Oh, man. Mine had Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hanks. (laughs) Oh, mine was stop motion and had Ewan McGregor as a cricket. (laughs) Is Polly Shore really in one of them? Yeah, that's the one that was famous on TikTok because it was it sounded terrible. 
Are you which? Wait, what's the other Pinocchio that you're talking about? If you weren't talking about Polly Shore's Pinocchio. Well, I don't. I don't go on TikTok, so I don't know. Okay. But I know that there's the Netflix. There's like a stop motion one. There's right. going to be a Guillermo del Toro one, and then there was the Disney Pinocchio. Those, are, but that's I'm pretty sure the Netflix stop motion Guillermo del Toro one is one. It's one movie. No, no, but there's another one. There's like a a third Pinocchio that's coming out right before that. Interesting. So I've isn't got, it also stop motion? No, the one that Robert Zemeckis just released on Disney Plus is. CG. No, I know. I'm not thinking of that one. There's like a there's a third Pinocchio. <laughs> a, I swear to on God, on the grassy knoll. Yes. <laughs> so Zapruder directed it. I'm showing a. I was going to say February 17th, but that's apparently what it was released in Russia. Oh, Jesus. Young Pinocchio runs away from home to see the world and becomes the man. Yeah. I mean, like it's called Pinocchio, a true story, I think. No, that's not it. Okay. Well, this is, this is the Pinocchio movie that I'm aware of. I don't even know. Bill, what, do you know what we're talking about here? Bill, do you know uh, what I, this phantom I, third Pinocchio is? I I know that there was something about like the three Pinocchios, but um, maybe it's not called Pinocchio. Like like th- there was like <laughs> on a the jungle road to book. the afterlife. Every man will meet three Pinocchios. <laughs> there was a there was a jungle book like kind of triumphant at one point, or maybe it was a, a a duo, and I think one was called like Mowgli, and wasn't it directed by like um, Andy Circus? Yeah, it was yeah. directed by Circus, and so it was very confusing because it was like Jungle Book and then Mowgli, and it was like wait. <laughs> Did y'all time this? Like, why? What the hell is this? Okay, so I, I don't know. I've, I've heard. I this think I found one. a clip of the Polly Shore Pinocchio. This thing, like, was again famous. I, I don't need like, time doesn't make any sense to me anymore. So it could have been earlier this year. It could have been some other time. But here, hold on. I'm going to see if I can play this. I don't believe my eyes. Your name will be Pinocchio. Father, when can I leave to be on my own? <laughs> I've got the whole world to see. <laughs> Oh man. I love Polly Shore. When's the Polly Shore Assance? I'm ready for it. Uh it did not start with Pinocchio, apparently. I'm I swear there's another one, but was maybe it, that was, is the one I'm are thinking, you thinking of. Was there one that was with the, the Life is Beautiful guy? But that was like a couple years ago. That was like 15 years ago. There's a Matt Garoni Pinocchio that was very good and one of my favorite films of 2020. But that was obviously two years ago. So I don't know what this third Pinocchio is. I swear to God, I saw it supposed to be coming out in December, like a week before the GDT. I think we should do a triple episode. I mean, at this point, we we basically almost turned this episode into a triple Pinocchio episode. We didn't even talk about the movies. We could... We could invite two guests and they could each have a Pinocchio from the last couple of years. I think that's a great idea. The five Pinocchio battle. I just, I like, I don't even know how to look this up. Cause like, I'm just like Pinocchio, uh, like other movies, like what other Pinocchios exist. It's probably the one that you mentioned. The one that's sort of. Yeah. This, this is Pinocchio true story. And yeah, yeah it's got it Polly Shore. Yeah. And so is that I really Polly Shore or that is like literally like 100% Polly Shore? <laughs> it, 
It's what? on his wiki as well. So holy shit, I'm definitely about. down to watch that movie. Oh I love Paul and then Moore. and then this one's got Ewan McGregor and Ron Perlman and Tilda Swinton. I'm like, oh, but oh, a yeah, good one. It's, <laughs> it's you know by my guy Guillermo del Toro. GDT. So yeah. Yep. Okay, wait. I found another Pinocchio. Oh no, this is, I think this is the, no, this is this one. I don't know. Well, if I were to choose any one of us to watch any movie, I would probably pair Bill with the GDT. I would pair Brian with the Disney. Oh man, you're not going to love me at Polly? <laughs> no, I'm taking Polly. Oh, I'm fighting over Polly. I love After this. <laughs> I had to review fucking Dumbo for the film stage show. Oh, you did? I'm oh, positive God. that that was mine. You know what? You know what's funny, Robin? You asked that? I literally have no idea. I don't know. You just blocked it out. I I know that I did it, but I don't remember why me. Like, at that point, I was writing, like, no reviews. And yet, somehow, on March 27th of 2019, I published a review of Dumbo. Wow. Dumbo review. Tim Burton directs a drab, deadened Disney remake. And yet I hear the Zemeckis is even worse. How is it possible? And let's not, let's just stop talking about Disney remakes. Let's not, I was going to, I was going to openly talk about one and I just feel like no good has ever come of that. The, the only good one is Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Pete's Dragon was fucking fantastic. In fact, a, the AV club, um, published a a list of what they called like every like like modern disney live action remake and after Ranked. i commented angrily yeah and after i commented angrily on it where like where is pete's dragon i think what i didn't realize what they meant was every live action remake of a previously fully animated movie because mm. pete's dragon was you know animation hybrid. and hybrid yeah animation live action hybrid and the the but like and this is where it gets sketchy because it used to be like oh well you know we've got like a cell animated creature dancing with a bunch of people but now you've got a quote-unquote live action movie where half of all the everything is cgi but it's not considered animated mm-hmm. which is a, a conversation that has erupted like six times in our slack channel yeah. Where someone will say like, oh yeah, Lord of the Rings are my favorite animated movies. And it's just like, oh, oh my God, you can't do that. It's always something like that. Or someone will be like, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakquel is like animated. And it's like, well, it's technically mostly animated, but you've still got that skateboard guy being Dave. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Why did I Well, I mean, the, it's, the question guy? is the Lion King, wrong? right? Like, Well, no. The, so the Lion King is not live action. There's no live action elements I agree. at all. It is, and they never called it live action. They called it like photorealistic. But I think that The Lion King was still on that list and I think it was the worst. But it's not live action. It's just like crazily, unnecessarily realistic looking. I don't even think you can hear our episode on that. Because I think Why? it got taken down for like an like a millennium copyright thing. I think I used music what? and someone I've used music to open every one of these episodes. No one ever cares. I think that's the one where I guess a rights holder got pissed off. And I don't even remember what song I used for it. You can't just like 
change it? I don't know. At this point, it'd be a lot of work. I don't know. I'll go back and check it out. Because now that we've talked about it, someone's going to want to be like, oh, I'd love to hear that. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't hate that movie. I know a lot of people did. I did. I didn't think it was great, but I was I like, was, you know, I was so. I like Lion King, so then watch it, the Lion. It is Lion King. No, <laughs> I, I love that movie. No, it's one of my all-time favorites. Lion King's great. Strong. I love. I love not, the original. Not the remake. Yeah, the original like hand-drawn animation Lion King, not the super realistic looking whatever. Anyway, this has been great. I've loved talking about this. Um, yeah, I don't know what we're doing right now. We got off on a tangent. It's what we do. Um, I'll just say that there is another Disney remake coming out, and it's causing problems on TikTok because people who cosplay as the main character of this original movie are being abused by people who think that they are bad people. <laughs> Is, is it a little mermaid? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. White creators on TikTok who have been cosplaying as little mermaid for a while are now being targeted as being racist. <laughs> that uh, okay. Yeah. So, I've seen like two of them release videos Yeah, that are like, so, so so the accusation is basically that they're that they're they're like uh, trying to like reclaim white Ariel when really it's yeah. just like I've been cosplaying as Ariel for 3 years. I've put a lot of work into it. And like, you know, I'm really excited for the new one. Hallie's amazing. Please stop abusing <laughs> me. Like and all the, but then the other thing is that all the, then there's another section of shitty people who are like, you're the real Ariel, like fuck this other girl. And so then they have to be like, so you don't want to be defended by that group. So they're like, please stop being racist in my comments towards everybody. And so like many of them have just turned off the comments on their Ariel videos and the stitches because we live in a hell universe where this is a thing. I watched a three minute video of one of these people crying as they tried to navigate the hell that was happening in the comments sections of their videos. And it was deeply distressing and I felt very bad for her. Wow. But Disney's going to make a bunch of money and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Everything's terrible. We're brought to you by movie. (laughs) The streaming (laughs) service that brings you exceptional films from around the globe. Every day movie premieres a new film from iconic directors to emerging auteurs there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Which is great, because it's festival season, baby, and some of us can't leave the country. Some of us have jobs. Um, so let's let's talk about... Can't you of... leave the country? Nope, I am on a watch list. Uh, I can't remember why. <laughs> Wait, for, legal for real? Reasons, no, for legal reasons, that was a joke. <laughs> Oh, God. It would be funny if I was on a watch list. Um, I guess it wouldn't be funny. It would be funny to me, except until I needed to actually leave the country. But anyway, no, I went to TIFF once. A merciless laugh. I'd I'd love to go back at some point, but uh, clearly didn't happen this year. But let's talk about something that's coming to the uh, personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere that you could have on your phone or your TV or your laptop. On Monday, when this drops... Hopefully, movie will be streaming The Girl Chewing Gum from 1976. Authorial control is just an illusion in this boisterous classic of experimental film. 
British artist John Smith starts off as a voice of God narrator, barking instructions at the people of 1970s Dalston. Yet events soon exceed his dictation. In The Girl Chewing Gum, reality runs away with itself. They also have another John Smith title from 1987. That is The Black Tower. I'm not going to read the pro- <laughs> the summary for that one. You can go look it up yourself. So if uh, The Girl Chewing Gum or anything else that's on movie sounds good to you, but you want to test the waters first, you can with a free 30-day trial. All you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. That's movie.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. So that's that. Um, We've already gotten off on a tangent once. It was glorious. We got to talk shit about Disney, and I got to uh, introduce people some TikTok drama, which we all know I love doing. <laughs> Do we want to risk You're my, doing my, like, TikTok whisperer. <laughs> uh, TikTok. It's, uh, it's great, and it's terrible. Um, one of these days, you guys will have to remind me to tell you about the Wombland saga. Okay. Cool. Anyway. File that one away. <laughs> Uh, shout out to anyone out there in listener land who remembers the womb lands. Anyway, uh, let's let's talk about Basic Instinct, the 1992 movie, which I moved away from the IMDb page for so I could look up Pinocchio's. <laughs> this movie, directed by Paul Verhoeven, was written by Joe Esterhaus, who uh, wrote another Verhoeven directorial effort that we have talked about on this show. That's Showgirls. This movie stars Sharon Stone and Michael Douglas, and um, this is a classic review, so I just want people to be aware that there will be no spoiler section, there will be no pandering, there will be no hand-holding. We're going to come in hot. <laughs> no mollycoddling. Talk about the whole fucking thing. We're going to start at the end. We're going to move to the beginning. I don't know why I'm so angry. Anyway, before we do that, uh, let us play a snippet of the trailer. And this is not the trailer for the DVD, I think. 31 stab wounds. Or was it? Ice pick. I'd like to speak to Miss Catherine Trammell, please. Is she a suspect? She's a writer. She published a novel. It's about a retired rock and roll star who gets murdered by his girlfriend. You know how she does the boyfriend? With an ice pick. She intended the book to be her alibi. You didn't feel anything for him, you just had sex with him for your book. In the beginning, he gave me a lot of pleasure. You like playing games? Games are fun. What's your new book about? Alright, that is the trailer for Basic Instinct. A movie about a homicide investigation that brings a cop into the fold of a woman who is, uh, I don't even, I don't even know. Let me just read the dime to be thing. A violent police detective, sure, investigates a brutal murder, yep, that might involve <laughs> a manipulative, yeah, and seductive, uh-huh, novelist. Absolutely. Perfect work, <laughs> IMDb. That sounds great. I like these annotations. <laughs> Sometimes IMDb doesn't get it right. This time I feel like, yeah, they got it. I don't know. I guess, I guess he's violent. I guess... What I one of the thing I'm just gonna come out and say it. One of the things that I love about this movie, a movie that I love, is the way that it works backstory in, and it's just like everything just keeps getting crazier. It's just like 
oh yeah, you shoot a lot of people. Oh, you like accidentally killed so many tourists that last time you tried <laughs> to shoot someone. Is that why your wife fucking committed suicide, you fucking coke addict? And it's just like, whoa, we're piling up a lot of backstory here. Oh man. So anyway, uh, I like this movie a lot. Thanks, Brian. That's my nutshell review. Let's move on. Robin, <laughs> Robin Barr, what are your thoughts on? Well, actually, uh, this was Bill's. This was Bill's classic selection. Yeah, right? come so let's, on. Let's start with Bill. So again, uh, uh, we've we've kind of gone over this before. Uh, usually, with a lot of these classic films, the one that I present is one that I'm interested in seeing for the first time, and this is a really good reason to kind of like give me that poke in the butt finally to like go see it. And so, you know, this was been on my list for a while. It's got kind of a legend, legendary kind of status it's is kind of a cult hit and um you know all of this stuff and so uh i was very interested in seeing it um it has obviously kind of spawned out um sharon stone kind of from it but it, more curious than that michael douglas like just goes on a fucking tear in the mid like eighties and nineties. Uh, so yeah, this is 1992. Um, I don't quite have it in front of me right now, but like he went on to star in like, like six or seven other like sexual thrillers after this one. And just like, Jesus Christ, man, what the fuck is going on? Um, so yeah, this one, I just hadn't seen it just because it's kind of racy. And so it was always like, I didn't want to go see it with my parents. Right. And so it's just like, okay. And it feels awkward to tell your partner, Hey, I'm going to watch basic instinct like alone. It's just <laughs> like, like, okay, I'm going to go watch some porn. I'm going yeah. to just go into the bedroom. I'm going to close and lock the door. And I'm, gonna I'm just going to yeah. get some Jergens and some <laughs> tissues. So, so it's one of those things where it was just like, I guess I think she hadn't seen it or she had seen bits and pieces of it. And I was like, well, I'm going to watch this. So would you like to watch this with me? And so, yeah, we watched it together. And so it was just like, okay, well, this was, this was a good way to, <laughs> to break that. So yeah. Um, no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I was also surprised by how fast and loose it kind of plays with this idea that Sharon Stone is or isn't a murderer. And it even has like this stinger at the end where you're like, oh shit, she's going to murder Michael. D and then she grabs something else. And you're like, she grabs Michael wait, Douglas. what the fuck? Yeah, she just like grabs his chest. Uh-huh. And then you see the ice pick underneath and you're like, oh, wait, why would you like pull a double fake out like that? And it's just kind of like that is Paul Verhoeven like doing kind of his classic thing where he's just he's just fucking with the audience the entire time he's making this film like and, you know. Um, it's very clear that Stone and, and Douglas are in for it as well. Um, they really, really play up a lot of this stuff. So um, I found it to be delightful. I found it to be kind of sexy and funny, um, sexy in a way that's like 
not really sexy, but like, you know, <laughs> the, the it's sexy because you have willing participants in in these film roles. Like, I don't even know if there's chemistry. It's just like there's just this kind of like magnetic force uh, between uh, Stone and, and Douglas, I think. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean. I don't know. It's 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 interesting as well because I don't see I don't see Michael Douglas as like a very attractive and I, I don't want to go too far far down that rabbit hole, but I don't see him as very attractive, but clearly he's been cast in this role and in the nineties like had a, a string of like all of these sexual thrillers that clearly like didn't he produce a lot of them though? <laughs> like, did he basically cast himself no, as the uh-huh. sexual lead? Is it is it is it that, or is it that he was just so powerful that he like acted as a producer? Maybe, I don't know. Production, maybe production, like, one or the other. But mm. well, clearly people were buying it. So the man was smart. He knew his fucking marker. Like he was hitting the <laughs> the, the place people wanted him to be. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, every I mean, time he walked I, I, on the screen, people wanted him to fuck a hot chick and be an asshole. And he did it, and they loved him, and they made him a star, baby. That's just how it worked. It, it, it's funny though, because like I look at him, and I always see just like like lots of dad energy. So like even in yeah, this, yeah even in this it's like 90s and he's supposed to be kind of at like you know the height of his sexual kind of like chemistry and i'm just like you just look like a dad man and and that's nothing to say like dads can't be sexy or anything like that but tiktok dads are super sexy well okay uh great great pull brian uh but Um, yeah yeah. in in my world i don't know i i just look at him and i'm just like oh you're you're just like the barbecue dad like i don't see him as cool dad i just see him as barbecue dad i don't understand where all this is coming from i i don't don't, are you choking at the idea that he's a hot man we'll get into it (laughs) Okay, I just now I'm curious. Now I'm expecting you to come in with like, oh, so let me tell you about the story of my sexual awakening watching the game. <laughs> okay, let me tell you the story of my sexual awakening watching Ant Man. Let me tell you the story of my sexual awakening watching Gladiator. Yeah, there he you go. wasn't in Gladiator. Yeah, he better Joaquin Phoenix, was. baby. Oh, that makes so much goddamn sense. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love him. <laughs> anyway, yeah, okay. Phil, did you have more to say? <laughs> no, I I really enjoyed it. So I'm I'm curious where this conversation goes. All right. Well, as I said, I I enjoyed it as well. Obviously, um, I'm trying to see when his like I'm a sex pot kind of thing stopped. It kind of seems like it stopped right after a perfect murder when he like pivoted. He did Wonder Boys two years later. Where he's I feel still, like when he married uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, everybody's like, wait, he's so old. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because people are like, oh, man, but like, when was that? That was like a while. That was like 99? They started together they got, in traffic, they, but do they even have they any got married, in traffic? They got married in, in 2000, I think. So like right, like right down the release of traffic, I guess. And they're still together. Really? Yes, they are. I'm glad to hear that. I know. It's almost like cute. Yeah, God, it's but- almost cute. It's like a like a shade below cute. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, let me talk to you about my sexual awakening watching The Ghost in the Darkness. <laughs> Between Val Kilmer being like a, a dandy Englishman, or no, he's Irish in that movie, and and Michael Douglas being a gruff American and lions eating people, what wasn't there to <laughs> to come to? God damn it. This movie has <laughs> broken my brain. This movie opens with a bunch of people being like, there's fucking cum stains everywhere. He got off before he got off. And I was just like, we are in it. Just fucking right there. Show it to me. And then they did. And they were not lying. There was a shit ton of cum on that bed. Anyway, Robin, what did you think? You don't remember seeing He's using like I don't glasses. remember seeing it. I mean, I know they're talking about it. Like I remember that piece of dialogue, but I wasn't. No, they, you know, he like puts hard. on some glasses and they shine like a UV. Oh, light. the UV. Gotcha. Yeah. I yeah, thought you meant like. It's not like pearlescent pools. Of yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not like right. Clarice Starling's face slash I was Dev just Patel's thinking of hand or whatever. <laughs> Silence of Lambs, my favorite book of middle school. Um, okay. So this is a movie I really wanted to like. It's a movie I probably respect a lot more than I actually enjoyed because I don't, I, I get the ending. Like I get it on an intellectual level. We've, we've all been had, et cetera, but wasn't it just a little too obvious? Like I was waiting for some kind of true twist and you do get a twist with the whole, um, whatever her name was the the psychologist which that relationship is so fucked up that i couldn't even suspend my disbelief like (laughs) it's just so wrong on so many levels that the relationship with dr beth gardner yes so in the movie michael douglas has a full-on sexual relationship with the psychologist who is making sure that yeah, that he was making sure that he's not fucked up after he quote unquote accidentally killed these civilians or whatever. At first, okay, so you say quote unquote accidentally killed. Are you saying that he did it on purpose? I'm not saying he did it on purpose. I'm saying that he they kind of treat him as a very trigger happy cop. Yes. Basically, okay, I can see that. It, like in in terms of like negligent homicide is not exactly an accident. Yeah, like there's something a little too hopped up about him, I suppose. Or like that's at least what we're supposed to believe. Could kill a fucking horse. (laughs) So, so he has this relationship with this woman. I'm just like everything has just been invalidated for me because of this relationship. Like, uh, although I I did think that they had a pretty well directed uh, sex scene together, but aside from that, I you know you have Sharon Stone playing the. The, the apotheosis of her career uh, this ice queen sex goddess and she's very good in it but you know right away she's the murderess so like do you why know? did i wait <laughs> but didn't i though i don't know i mean what's... it's like femme fatale just plastered all over her face yeah but i mean like you know the, I, I don't know i mean there's a part of me that's like the easy way to look at this movie is that Sharon Stone's Catherine Trammell, which I, this is one of those names that like, I read it so many times before I actually saw this movie and in my head, it was always Trammell. <laughs> and then they come in hot with the Trammell and I'm like, Oh fuck you. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so if I say it wrong this entire episode, that's just, that's too bad. Um, 
I feel like there is a way you could read this movie where like each woman kills like one other person. And, all and that's of kind of what I was thinking, right? Like there was something I really liked the twist of the psychologist being this woman who was supposedly obsessed with Tramel after like a sexual encounter in, in college. And, and yeah, we can get into the whole, um, I don't know, like evil bisexual, chaotic bisexual thing. And that's, you know, definitely a lot of criticism of this movie in general. Even at the time, there was a lot of criticism about this movie because of that. So I liked that twist. And I was kind of just hoping that Jean Triplehorn was the murderess. Like, I was just hoping that was the actual twist. So at the end, when she like goes for the ice pick under the bed, you're just kind of like, really? Like, this, I, I knew she was the murderer. So what are we doing here? Okay. However, what if she didn't put the ice pick under the bed? Were they in his bed or her bed? I don't know. Mm, I don't remember. Might you talking about the very end? Mm, yeah. I don't know. A lot of these apartments look pretty similar to me. Anyway, I was going to say, what if it wasn't her ice pick? What if it was the doctor's and she was planning on ice picking him later and wanted to have the ice pick in place for it? Who's the she? The the doctor. Dr. Beth Garner. As played uh, by Jean Triplehorn. I don't know. It's, you know, it's possible. Because I was watching the movie and I was like, oh, of course, Roxy killed Boz because she was jealous. And like, you know, or maybe and like Jean killed her husband and and Catherine like killed her parents. <laughs> but like also. And then like, who knows who killed who killed Gus? You know, it's wait just, a minute. Hold on. What? Wait a minute. OK. Have y'all seen Adam's Family Values? No. Wait. One of the greatest films Wait. of all time? No. Yeah. With yes. Raul, Raul Julia? Yeah. I'm going to yes, say yeah, yes, but, but also no, because it was like so long ago, I literally have no idea. But anyway. Okay. Well, I highly recommend it. It's a great film. It's one of cool. my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. Is the, Bill, is the character of Joan Cusack based on Catherine Trammell? Like, it, was it a parody of this character? Does she uncross you're her talk, legs? You, you're talking about no, you're talking I don't about the, the girl, girl in all white that like comes across the the Adams family and is like yeah, uh, yeah, after yeah. Uncle Fester, and you find out she killed her parents, and it was like a whole thing because they didn't give her a huh. blue Barbie. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, spoilers for uh, fa- fa- Adam's Family Values, by the way. But sorry, you know, also but, you like know. twenty year old movie. Sorry, I mean a thirty year old movie. <laughs> sure. Uh yeah, okay, I could I could definitely see that. No, I mean, no, this no, I movie see had that. impacts. I mean, like so many things have have uh, like paid homage or done a a little motif about this movie. Like, there's that my my introduction to this movie, like my introduction to most pop culture, was through The Simpsons, and mm-hmm, it was classic. when Willie is being interrogated as to whether or not he shot Mr. Burns, and he's wearing a kilt, and he does oh, the yeah. leg crossing thing, and the cops pull a gun on him. And say you were warned about that. (laughs) You know, so I actually read that Sharon Stone did not consent to that. Um, Yes, it is. It has been said by her that she was unaware precisely of what they were going to get, I guess, when she did that. Yeah, I mean, it must be one of the most famous scenes in all of cinema. Like, 
you know that scene well before you see that movie. Oh, yeah. To the point where, like, again, I, I was aware of it as a kid and just, like, literally had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, it, it's impossible to parody in full because you can't show the thing that's going to be there. It's, like, it's just impossible. It's just not possible. So, like, right. when I watched the movie, I was like, whoa. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't think they're going to go there. And I think that's what's actually special about the movie is that it really does break a lot of barriers. And I've been listening to Karina Longworth's wonderful podcast on erotic 80s and how the rating system and porno chic of the 70s recreated the culture around sex in film in the 1980s and into the 90s. So I, you know, her analysis of of what was happening culturally at the time was very interesting. Um, And so many critics were very shocked by even just the sex in movies like Flashdance, which to me is like not really a sexual movie at all, but critics at the time thought it was like porn-esque really um, because there's a lot of like, I guess, dancing in that movie or like attention to bodies, but to me, it's not actually sexual. So then to go from a movie like that to basic instinct where there's just I mean, there's a rape in this movie. There's like full on writhing, like boobs bouncing. It it was surprising. Very impressionistic sex happening in this movie. I think this impressionistic as in like if you saw it as a young person. No, as in like I don't think people fuck this way, but I feel like this is how it feels to. Fuck. Oh, oh, like literally, like impressionist. Yes, like this isn't. I don't think the sex in this movie <laughs> not, is not impressionable. Naturalistic, realistic. Right. Like, there's so much. There's just so much like flailing and writhing, and it's like again how you like remember having sex, but it's not how you actually have sex. If you've ever taped yourself having sex and then look back on it, you're like, I don't feel like I looked this fucking awkward when I was. I feel like I just learned. I'm taking no questions at this time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to give away too much of myself on this podcast. Yes, you do. uh, Um, Anyway. Um, yeah, let's uh, move on. Uh, what was I say? <laughs> it, it, it is something. It is well. I'll say this. So, I don't. We talked a little bit about our relationships to this movie. I was supposed to watch this with my friends in high school. We ordered the DVD from Netflix back when you did that. This was like 2006. Maybe it was right after we graduated. Spoiler, school, but like you you still can. <laughs> I know. I mean, but this was back when. There wasn't a streaming. Option. That was so yeah. Just, that was you had to thing. go through yeah, yeah. more lengths to get the movie. So I remember the DVD coming in, and my friend's mom just being like, "Oh, you're gonna watch that." And to us, it was like whatever. Like we grew up watching, I mean, Skinamax and like whatever else. And we had seen oh God, what was that movie called with the with the. <laughs> Oh my God. Requiem for a dream. I remember watching that with them like in high school. Yep. So to, to me, this was just like, whatever. Like I heard this movie was sexy in hindsight. I'm kind of glad I did not watch this with them. Like, cause you know, like five virgins in a room watching this movie, like a fucking orgy would have broken out. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that I think it would have been the opposite. I think we all would have just crawled inside of ourselves and cocooned, uh, 
Yeah. But it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned, Bill, that you and your I, wife, like it's a little awkward or something to watch a movie like this, because my husband and I have watched plenty of these movies and it's just so unsexy to us and like so just comedic that it it's not even strange that we were watching. Well, this. again, nor yeah, is it date night either. The sex in this movie is fucking like nutty. It's it's yeah, it's like the, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's like a shade more acceptable than the sex in Showgirls, but it definitely <laughs> got Showgirls tendency just in like the like the I don't know wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man style like you know, and then like Catherine's big like sex move is to like lean back and then just spring at you and then <laughs> and, and all the men are like ah like they're being gutted with a hook and then it's over and they're all like god fucking magna cum laude pussy i mean it's truly like lepity mort um, once in a century fuck oh god did you <laughs> i mean that was just Again, First I of hate all, Joe, Michael Douglas in this movie. Joe Esterhouse is a genius. <laughs> uh, well, he's definitely got issues lately, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely written some classics. Um, and so the thing with Michael Douglas is, and I turned to my husband and I said, do people find him sexy? It It's just like, Bill, you were kind of saying, it's totally lost on me. And maybe, Brian, you are more of the proxy audience like the the ideal audience for this because i just remember thinking like he has he ever looked young has he ever been magnetic there's something just totally unctuous about him in this movie and maybe it's just because like he's gordon gecko to me uh a role i actually like but Mm -hmm. to me that's very sexless um yeah i don't think he's sexy as gordon gecko i don't know i think he's got like a I don't know. Like the, the club scene with him no. when he's when he comes to go see her um and and her friend and they're getting sexed up at a club. That's the one sequence where I was like, "Oh, okay, like he's kind of letting his hair down. He's kind of like He's wearing a deep V." <laughs> yeah, and it looks like he's fuck. got it looks like he's got makeup on like throughout the most, and you know, of course he probably has makeup on throughout this entire movie, but in that sequence, it actually looks like he's got makeup on. It looks like he's actually like, like put effort into his outfit, into his clothing, into his, you know, it, it looks like he's done himself up a little bit in that sequence to kind of meet her at her most, you know, kind of primal. And so I, I, I found that sequence, like looking back at some images, some some still images of it. I was like, oh, OK, well, I can kind of see it there, but everything else and and like to be very honest with you, like part of it is also like the dress. So, you know, this is a midnight or early 90s movie. And it's just like, I guess I just don't find the early 90s like, you know, him in a suit is just like not doing it for me. So mm-hmm. it's just like, OK. Okay, and you know this is right around. In a suit is just really working for me. (laughs) She is really gorgeous in this movie. I have to say, my sexual awakening. Triple horn. uh, Oh yeah, Yeah. triple horn's great and beautiful. I was going to say my my sexual awakening was Agent Scully from the X Files. Uh, That was a lot of people. (laughs) I mean, it had to be like 
just that's that's how that's how it works. Um, um, so any woman in a suit, especially if she's got shoulder pads. But but oh. I think we, I think that's part of it is just kind of the the dress of the early '90s and stuff like that. That aesthetic just doesn't quite until, like I said, he shows up in the club, and I guess that's I've never really seen that that deep of a V before. In the 90s. I don't know if <laughs> that was the thing. Like, oh, his style, his style. He's wearing a fucking suit and tie the whole movie, and the moment that he looks the most late '80s, early '90s, you're like, oh yes, this classic ensemble. Of the yeah, I, I guess with the sleeves rolled up. That's the I, I guess that's craziest thing. I guess that's 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 uh yeah that's uh it's a conundrum right that I'm, actually, I'm presenting. I went to a um, restaurant but, the other day and I, it was by the the university and I've realized that um college girls are dressing the way the girls that I like went to high school with were dressing in high school and middle school. We'll give an example. Yeah. You mean like like sort of not qu- not low rise, but not quite high rise jeans, um, crop tank tops. Pretty the crop sure tops saw, are everywhere, man. Pretty I sure bought a I crop saw a top. couple of tube tops. Like just like I like I saw them and got an immediate. Like there was a group of them walking down the street as I was driving, and I just got an immediate flashback to going to middle school dances. And just all the girls wearing like full on jeans that like, you know, went up to their belly button, covered everything. And then like a crop top or like a crop tank top or just like a short shirt, tube top type of thing. And just being like, oh, yes, we are living in the age of the upper midriff and the bare shoulder (laughs) and complete modesty everywhere else. And I was just that's like the moment that people must have felt like when people started wearing bell bottoms again, where it was just like, oh, shit, this is coming back. Yeah, yeah. So um, what I'm saying is everyone... Eternal return of fashion. Get ready yep. for your Michael Cyclical. Douglas deep V. <laughs> oh, God. I'm looking at uh, a picture I, of I, him, Robin, because you had asked me uh, about, like, what, what's the... I mean, he's got a strong jawline. He's got very intense eyes. I think most of his sensuality is in the mouth and the eyes. He's got... Okay. Very pouty, kind of expressive lips... His eyes have a f- certain ferocity to them, which I think could strike the balance of that. Should I be afraid of him or will he protect me? And can he protect me from <laughs> I think he's got great hair. He's got the kind of he hair does that have you great can hair. just slick back, which I think is a, a look a lot yeah. of men want to be able to do, but very few mm-hmm. men can. And I think, honestly, some of it's just his fucking voice and his attitude, man. He's He's like... He does have a very sexy voice. Oh, my God. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he like when he comes in and with his little rumble and his insouciance and his devil may care attitude. I'm like, yeah, like this. This is working for me. Is it in a, like say, I want to be him way or an I want to bang oh my God. him if, way? If I could be Michael Douglas at, at this era, <laughs> that would be the best thing that could happen to me. Hmm. I feel like I, I would I, have uh, Cora would have another mother like tomorrow if I were Mike. He's got like a Jewish gangster a feel to him. Something very old school about it. Yeah. I dig it. Uh I want to mention a couple of things real quick. Uh, I want to make a correction. Uh, Fatal Attraction was in 1987. So I guess that's kind of the official start of like the sexual thriller kind of thing. Um, Well, with him specifically. Correct. Yeah. And then and then it's like 
shining through basic instinct disclosure and then uh a perfect murder like it's just like well, the so mid 90s for him were just was like bang a bang bang lead in romancing the stone but Correct. he was like good but that, that's like a fun that's like a fun movie right. that's not like a sexual thriller movie but that's probably the moment where they're like oh this guy has the sexual charisma we need well, and, and isn't Jewel of Denial like, the sequel? Yeah, like wasn't that like the next okay. year or something? Yeah, it is. But, so, yeah. which which I've heard like is really bad. Well, but, I don't know how yeah. good of a movie you can make the next year. <laughs> sure, um, sure, that's tough. Yeah, like just the turnaround on that. That's like the the uh, the True Detective dilemma of like, hey, like I've been working on this for like a decade and it's fucking perfect. Okay, great, mm-hmm. make a sequel. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. let me pump months? this out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, because he, he does Romancing the Stone. People are like, oh, wow, Michael Douglas, ooh la la. And then Fatal Attraction, they're like, oh, he like cheats on his wife and murders a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love him. Wall Street. Oh, he's like the embodiment. She's crazy. That's why it works, right? right? I know. Well, she's a bunny boiler. Um, <laughs> And then... And then Wall Street, it's like, oh, he's a terrible human being. I still love him. And then War of the Roses. Swimmer, he's going through like the really shitty divorce, right? Yeah. And the wife pretends that she killed his dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we got Basic Instinct. Falling Down, which I didn't realize was this late in his career. I thought it was like one of his earlier things. Disclosure is hilarious. The American President. Andrew Sorkin, Ghosts in Darkness, again, sexy as fuck. The game. I used to call this underrated. I think it's about rated now. (laughs) I think it's it's been reclaimed. It's got a reputation. A perfect murder, which again, I I had pegged as the pivot point of like, okay, he's not, we're not doing sexy anymore. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow, Viggo Mortensen. And that's the thing is like, it's like, oh, like slightly old dude with a hot young wife and she's fucking this younger dude who's uh, going to be Aragorn one day. <laughs> and then after that, it's Wonder Boys where he plays like an old puttering around in a shitty robe stoner dude. And then trap his old author. I fucking love that movie. I remember gotta, nothing about it. I'm sh- about I know I've seen day. it. Well. Let's have but, it on a classic. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing though that I want to say is Robin, I think I think you took my my words about it being awkward a little bit differently than my intention. My okay. intention was to say not that it's like awkward because it's so sexual, but awkward because it's so hypersexual that it's just like you, you know, you walk in on some of these sequences out of context and you're just like, what the fuck are you watching right now? <laughs> and I'm like, art. This movie and, and she'd be like, uh, what? This what is for work, babe. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where so, it's but just the like, you okay. didn't see is that the movie begins with a really <laughs> acrobatic sex scene where someone gets stabbed in the face and he came a lot stabbed <laughs> by a wig. Like that scene is all wig baby, <laughs> which oh, yeah. again is how you know that it's not actually Catherine Trammell. But isn't it supposed to be her? I literally don't know. Exactly. That's why I was just like, what did I just watch? Robin, were you on this this podcast when we talked about uh, Devil in a Blue Dress or was Michael no. Sandel still here for that? Okay. 
There is a thing that I now can't remember, and I will look up after I say it poorly so I can say it correctly. But Denzember? What? Denzember? No, no, not. I can say Denzebruary with the best of them. Um, so there, there is a there is a, a movie. I think it was uh, The Big Sleep, where the director and the screenwriter, because they were going off of a novel by Raymond Chandler, and at a certain point they're like, you know, talking through everything, and they're like, wait, wait a second, we just shot this whole fucking movie. Who killed the chauffeur? Like. We've lost track of the murderer. Can someone get on the phone with <laughs> Raymond Chandler and figure out who killed the chauffeur? And they have like, like the book's been written. It's been out forever. They've just shot a movie about it. And they're still like, we've got a dead body that I don't think we can account for. And Raymond Chandler's response is like, oh, who fucking knows? I don't care. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to, but that's like one of the best things that I love about noir, which this movie 100% is going for, is that every once mm-hmm. in a while, it's more about the mood and the, like, the sensation of it than the actual reality. Absolutely. Which yeah. is a thing that coming from me, a person who could nitpick a fucking nitpicking bird to death, um, <laughs> I, I just Good love one. that. I'm just always fine with that. It's like, oh, ooh, yeah, we forgot about that guy who we found rolled up in the rug. It's like, yeah, whatever. Someone did it. Yep. <laughs> Like half the point of these movies and these stories is just like, I don't know, shit's messy. Like, nah, justice doesn't actually come for everyone. It should eh, deal with it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm okay with that. I think that it's totally possible that Catherine Trammell killed no one. I think it's possible that she killed everyone. I think it's possible that she's not even actually Catherine Schimmel by the end of the movie and that Roxy is still alive. Like, it could be anything, and it's kind of great. Well, one thing that's so interesting about this as well is that she, I guess she wasn't that famous before this, right? She had that sequence. Yeah, she had that sequence in uh, Total Recall, which apparently kind of like elevated her status because, you know, I'm reading here, you know, and this is basic wiki stuff, right? Uh, But I'm reading here that he kind of wanted a big star because he didn't want to just be in this sexual thriller and have all this nudity and have all this stuff going on and then him just be the only star in it. And so he was, he like tried to put forth a lot of like big names, especially at the time. And they all kind of turned it down. Um, And so it's interesting because this film, the way it ends and the way that Brian's kind of setting it up is we can live in this pretend world where we don't know, but there's also a basic instinct too. (laughs) So it's kind of like you could find out, but do you want to? Right. I don't. No, you don't. (laughs) You know, and so it's just like, yeah, I don't want to find out. And and I've also heard that that movie is not very good either, which, of course, you know, how do you how do you follow this up like 20 years, 30 years later? And a lot of people were like, Sharon, kind of kind of give it up a little bit, which is something that they say to a lot of male movie stars as well. But it's kind of like, oh, that's. That's interesting that you're also saying it to female movie stars that are like continuously getting nude and it's just like, huh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you got that 
fastball anymore, Sharon, you know, kind of deal. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting that she made it. It's interesting that this is a controversy that kind of, you know, follows her, but maybe elevates her star to the point where she stars in a lot of other things. Right. And then she makes a sequel to it like 30 years later. So let's talk about her a little bit, because I think she's she's one of the elements that really makes this movie pop. And even though I didn't love this movie, it's also because I just don't really love the genre. And I had issues with sort of the expression of the story. But like overall, I do think that Stone has a lot of charisma in this movie. And it's it's obviously the role that she will be best known for. But what do we think of her? I mean, I like her in this. I like her in Total Recall. I really like her in Casino. But I think she's like a very specific kind of actress. What do you mean? I just like, I don't know. Like it's um, like there are some people who like can work within a very narrow lane or like give a very specific type of performance. Like every time I watch Casino. Like an ice queen? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know that I'd ever believe her caring about someone. Like, Mm -hmm. like every time I watch Casino and she's like in love with this pimp and keeps like fucking over her mobster boyfriend who like just won't get his through his fucking skull that she's like never going to change. I'm just like, I should hate this character so much, but I can't. It's just never happened for me. I just like always am on not on her side, but like understanding of her. And like firmly like get it. And um, I just I just think that she can o- she is the only person who could get away with that. But also, I don't know that I could ever see her in any other way. So like similarly in this movie, she's so obviously did it. That it's th- like I've, then I have to like say like, well, if it's that obvious that she did it, then she could have done it. It's just like that's how it is. But if you were to remake this. With anyone else. I'd be like, oh, yeah, they totally did it. It's to like, you know, if uh, if fucking, um, what's her face? You know what I'm talking about. The blonde one. That we like. What? The, 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 the actress. The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, Margot like Robbie. Yeah, if Margot Robbie was in this, I'd be like, she did it. But like, that's it, how I felt about Sharon Stone. Oh, it was see, well, just too obvious. Planes, then. I never felt that way. It was just too obvious. It was just like, no, she... She's obviously the murderer. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, okay, here's my my headcanon. You want to call it fanon, whatever, is that she is that she is the murderer, but also Gene Triplehorn's the murderer. They're both murderers. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I'm okay with that. They're all murderers. Yeah. Yeah. Every every woman in this movie has murdered someone. (laughs) <laughs> name, name a woman I'll or, tell you or, or or herself right her her friend her roommate roxy yeah i think roxy she murdered herself probably no oh, she, she murdered she, herself she did, she did murder herself yes but she also possibly <laughs> murdered someone else too i mean she definitely uh, attempted murder Catherine tramell's out there fucking every murderer she can find who's a woman and then, you know, that's just, that's, you know, there's going to be some murders. I think the murders keep happening. She says murdering isn't like smoking. You can quit it. Isn't that what she says? I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember Now I'm wondering if she was like, murdering is like smoking, or not like smoking, you can't quit it. 
I can't remember if she was making the point that, it, like, you can't quit smoking, you can't quit murdering. But anyway, I think she ought to be aware of that. Okay, so who do we think murdered the rock god, the, the Phil Spector guy? I think that... You mean the opening murder? The opening yeah. murder that we see, I think, I think was Roxy. <laughs> I think it was Roxy. I think it was Roxy. I'm almost positive. The wig was too askew. Yes, but Roxy... <laughs> uh, Here's the here's the problem with it being Roxy. Roxy's already a <laughs> Roxy's blonde. a lesbian. <laughs> no, I think in this movie everyone will fuck anyone. It's it's a very open fluid movie. Um I think okay. Why would Roxy need to wear a wig? She's already blonde. And it's not like she's tricking him into True. thinking she's Catherine. She's oh. just fucking him for fun to murder him. So like you know, that, then I'm like, oh, maybe it's Dr. Beth Garner or whatever the fuck her name is. But then it's like, well, why would she need a wig? What's the motivation? Anyone's tricking this dude. I think this guy's down to pound. And <laughs> I think that maybe like the wig is Ew. like a thing more for the woman. But then it can't be Roxy because she's already blonde. So like, why would she need a blonde wig? So maybe it's better. How how, I, how, I, how I long still, is her hair? I don't know. That's a great question. We'll have to watch the movie again. Um. But, like, the problem is that even having said that, I'm still like, Roxy totally fucking murdered that guy. She was jealous, right? Right. She was jealous, and so she murdered him. The, the, using her lover's book as a template, possibly because she knew that that would give her her girlfriend cover. Or possibly to be like, hey, bitch, stop fucking dudes. I love you. Um, <laughs> which you could probably say in a letter easier. Which is what I say to my husband every day. You say to him, hey, bitch, no. stop fucking dudes. I love you. Um, no, I do not. I. It's too bad. My fan is now that that's how you wake him up. Gentle, <laughs> gentle kiss on the eyelids. and then That's your fanfic of my marriage. Hey, bitch, stop fucking dudes. I love you. And the funny thing about that is if you say it to wake him up, what you're what you're inferring is that in his dreams he has sex with men. Um, mm, I don't think so. But there's only one way to know infiltrate his mind like inception yeah, inception exactly you know where i was going with that so anyway Classic. even though i've just said like there's no reason for roxy to wear a wig so it couldn't be roxy it's totally fucking roxy i believe that with everything that in guy life. is also so drugged out that he might have thought it was uh right there's just so much cocaine but it, wouldn't cocaine make you more aware I have no clue. That's the thing. Is that uh, in a movie I, I, like I think... this, it needs to be cocaine because you need people to have a coke dick and be able to fuck a lot. Um, and you also need them to have the manic energy necessary to have incredibly spasmodic sex. At the same time, it's, if you want him to not be aware of what's going on, it really should be heroin. Anyway, that's Brian Roan critiquing drug use in movies. I hope you Wait, enjoyed this. Wait, what's coke dick? <laughs> Uh, if, if like, you can't like, you can't finish basically. Okay. So it's like, it's like, wasting your dick. yeah, really okay. honestly, like it's hard because if you say something like Coke dick or whiskey dick or whatever, people have an assumption because they're going to go with what happens to them. I'm not going to, God damn it. So a lot of people think that whiskey dick is, you can't get it up. Because you're too drunk, right? You're too drunk to, to be able to get hard. I did not know that that was the accepted terminology. 
because I don't have that problem when I drink that much <laughs> from back mm. when I drank that much. Uh, so I would always be like bragging about it. And people would be like, <laughs> and finally someone was like, I don't understand why you're saying like that your girlfriend loves it when you drink a lot of whiskey because that happens to you. And I'm like, well, it's because like I can go for like seven hours. And he's like, wait, what? And I was like, what are you talking about? And we had this really awkward conversation where we suddenly knew how alcohol affected our erections. Hmm. So similarly, perhaps there are people who uh, do so much cocaine that they can't get an erection. And then there are guys who do so much that they just can't finish. Let's well, ask I, Reddit. I think, it, I, I, think it's, I think it's part of it. Part of it is a stimulation thing, right? And so it's like, okay, you can get aroused because, yeah, sure. But, like, part of that arousal is like the sensation of it. And right. so well, I had a friend who was I, I on think, ADHD you know, medication and like, you know, again, he, he could get hard, but he couldn't finish. Yeah. So like, I know, there's, have there's ADHD, <laughs> <laughs> but I am not the friend that you were talking no, about. No, I yes. was. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've, I, Bill and I have never exchanged any information about our erections. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to put that out there. So no sexting between Brian and Bill. It's not sexting. It's just going to another man and being like, hey, is this normal? Does this ever happen to you? Well, like an on that note, <laughs> on that note, I I have no uh, experience with with cocaine dick. So, you know, I <laughs> I don't I don't know what that does to people. Um, but I I think I think there's a certain level of just like we're having fun with this and they're they're just coked out of their minds and it's like okay what do what do you know it's it's the hollywood thing right it's like well what do what do people that are coked out of their minds do they have really fucking goofy weird sex right oh it's my like God. okay like, yeah sure not, they're not like normal people like they can have anything yeah. they want all the time so they have to get increasingly weird with it <laughs> and so I think that he was probably like, hey, hey, put on this wig. And she's like, I don't understand. I'm already blind. He's like, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that she wasn't also wearing sunglasses. Basically, just turn it into a scene from less than zero and it'll be fine. That Never That's a it. joke for every the four people who have read less than zero. Literally. No, I mean, that book was incredibly popular. I just don't know if it's big with our generation, but it should be. It's incredible. It's Brady Snellis. Read it. There's like no way that anybody in their early 30s knows what that is. I I don't know. I don't. That's a good question. Um, I thought it was very popular. Most of my friends have read it, but all of my friends were chemically addicted and insanely depressed. So like, but also I feel like that's the audience we've cultivated. So hopefully, <laughs> my people, my cult followers. Yeah. Your sphere of influence over the. <laughs> This is terrifying. <laughs> Very depressed. Should we bring up the fact wow. that, uh, that um, we're talking about this movie during Bisexual Awareness Month? Oh, be be vigilant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Just laughs> be vigilant. They're everywhere. Keep an eye out. Lurking in the distance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie was very controversial when it came out because of the of the villainy issue and this is a, a a trope of film basically is that it's you know the the queer villain the queer murderer uh this was you know this is not just like a modern interpretation of of 
a film from 30 years ago, this, there were protests of this movie when it, when it came out because of this issue. Um, and you think of the films that come before it, like Brian De Palma. Um, I think this movie came out right after silence of the lambs. Like this was already a well-established archetype before this film. But yeah, and it, it's unfortunate because it's it's kind of a repeating thing where if you have a movie that you kind of come up with whole cloth and like in order to explore this like full sexual breath that like Sharon Stone has kind of access to and kind of like moves in and out of and it's kind of like well, is she into Michael Douglas's character or is she not? Is she is she solely, you know, a lesbian or is she bisexual? And is she, you know, all of these things? And so it's kind of like this. It's this gray area. It's this kind of like, you know, I think what it does is it kind of makes it seem alien when in reality, like some people, that's that's their life. And it's unfortunate, but that's also like also part of the reality of the time period as well. Right. Like it wasn't that like open back then and stuff like that. Um, and so there's there's just like an unfortunate kind of cycle that happens where you want to explore these things and you want to do them justice and then someone comes out or comes after you and is like, well, this is just like a, a well-worn trope that like the female killer is always, or like that queerness leads to you being a, a killer, right. Or leads to you being some kind of demented person. Right. And it's like, or this film is more about she's just fucking bananas and she happens to be a lesbian. Like, you know, there's, there's just, it's tough to untangle those things, I think. There's and it's also, unfortunate. Oh, please. No, I didn't ahead. realize you were going to keep going. Uh, I, I was just going to say, it's, it's just unfortunate that like, it's hard to untangle those things. And especially when you, you have things like people protesting the film's premiere, which tells you everything you kind of need to know. And that's, they haven't seen it. Right. So it's a reactionary thing. It, so it's like, it's, this is just you reacting to the surface of it. And it's like, okay, well, what are we doing? You know, um, well, I don't know if and, like and, the movie itself would have they would have been like, oh, what a fabulously nuanced portrayal of for sure. But for I sure. do think that in seeing this movie, you'd be able to walk out and say, I don't think she's like a lesbian or bisexual. I think she just is like an infomaniac or like a person like I think that there is something to her, a sociopath. <laughs> right. There's something to her sexuality that like almost Buffalo Bill esque transcends concepts of like you know, gay or lesbian or any, or bisexual or anything like that. It's like, it's, it's, it's truly, she is a predator of opportunity. And I don't know that you could even say that like, like clearly from like a, a surface level, like dictionary definition. Yes. She is a bisexual. 
But like, is there like a is there like something that like could be called like sexual sociopath sociopathy? Like where you're just like, I'll like fuck anyone, I don't give a shit. But like pansexual, but like in a chaotic evil way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like I just like oh, this this person wants to not even this person, this thing wants to fuck me. I'm gonna fuck this thing. Because like I'm a reactionary Incubus succubus. <laughs> right. It's, it's yeah, like, just blow with the wind. Right. And it's like it's her means of consuming and controlling people. Like I you know, it's like it's like if it's like if you get raped, you don't say the person made love to you. Like that's just not what it is. So like it seems as though her just the way that she interfaces with people is is beyond that. It is like an expression of pure sociopathy. So, like, you know, I can understand that in the early 90s when, like, you know, you don't have, like, a sweet bisexual love story to fall back on. You're like, this is it. This is what we get. Someone who fucks men and women, but she also possibly murders people with an ice pick. Like, yeah, that could be upsetting. But just like with The Silence of the Lambs, I think in the text of the movie is almost like a refutation of, like, oh, well, like, that's where the the the... That's where her madness springs from. It's like, no, that's she's just she's wired wrong in so many different ways. And I don't think her sexuality plays into that. I don't know. Does that make sense? Everyone's quiet now. No, it We're does. Contemplating. I, 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 th- I think it, like I said, I think I, it's, it's tough like to these, untangle. Right. And I think this is the problem with like, uh, I mean, and I was going to say like our modern identitarian, whatever, but like clearly they were fucking protesting this movie back then too. So it's been a problem for a while, but when you boil people down to a single thing and then you have to say like, Oh, you know, they have to be a saint or they must be a sinner. You miss a lot of stuff. And so I feel like, you know, there's always going to be a reason people are upset about something. And like, sometimes you just got to like shrug your shoulders and you can, like I said, like admit to the fact that like there weren't a lot of, of positive bisexual representations, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know that this movie's point is that bisexuals are chaotic, murderous individuals. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what was that joke on Twitter that someone got in trouble for? <laughs> what Jesus. hour of the that's, day that's, I was like oh this really isn't helpful it was it was um all women are bi you just have to discover if it's sexual or polar oh Jesus yeah yeah I've heard that I but that was like because of some so jerk. the story behind that was a random dude that maybe is popular, I don't know, tweeted that joke out. A joke that I have seen 700 different permutations of over the course of my entire life. But it was retweeted by David Weigel, who is a writer for the Washington Post. And then oh, his, that's his why I came retweet up, yeah. was screenshotted and shared by not Taylor Lorenz, uh, Felicia Somnes. Who then went on like a seven day spree of tweeting about how fucking much she hated the Washington Post until eventually the Washington Post was like, I guess you're fired then. Like, I don't know what to do with you. So that was fun. Uh, let's, let's go way back to June 2020. Yeah, seriously. Back, back, <laughs> way back. <laughs> yeah. Happy Pride. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of the and it's one of those things where it's like I again can understand the the people who like you know 
like if, if every like Irish person in a movie was just a drunkard, like I would be like, Oh my God, guys, come on. Or like if we had never been an Irish person in a movie and then like, Hey, you're going to love it. His name is William O'Flannery and he's wasted all the time. And I'd just be like, Oh my God, not ideal. Please don't do that. But like, um, I think, I think almost what's the word I'm looking for counterintuitively we can retroactively look at this movie and be like yeah i don't think this is that bad much in oh the same in terms way. of the villainy right like i don't think like you know again if if you're just looking at this movie in 1992 is like hey there's a bisexual character movie oh she might be a multiple murderer like that sucks but now that we have movies that have had a whole spectrum of sexuality. And we look back at this, we can be like, and I a spectrum of representation within that sexuality. So Precisely, it's not just the yes. sexuality itself, but the context of the, we of can the look at this and go, Oh yeah, this wasn't that bad. And it almost seems to be like poking an eye at the square community that would say like, Oh, she's a bisexual. She's evil. I mean, the movie literally opens up with this cop being like, I don't understand. You were fucking this dude, but you didn't love him. <laughs> what? what is that all about <laughs> meanwhile that guy's probably fucked a lot of women that he didn't love but he just can't get over the idea that a woman could have loveless yeah. fucking orgasmic sex with a dude that she didn't give a shit about for a while though i will say that fucking someone for a year that you don't actually like i just that sounds exhausting to me but you know she's got a hundred million dollars she sells a lot of books whatever <laughs> but she said that it made her feel good yeah. I guess I just feel that's, like you'd get bored after all, but maybe that's why they're wearing wigs and stabbing each other. like, <laughs> And tying each other up. Yeah. So I, it, it was, I was very incredulous at the idea that Michael Douglas immediately develops this sexual obsession with this person. It just seemed too, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm taking it too seriously as a movie and I have to think of it with movie logic, but I just kind of felt like, She's not enchanting me in any way. She's so obviously evil that I can't even fathom how this man is this dumb. This is to how I just know fall that for in it. no previous life have you ever been a man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's exactly it. I'm like, sorry, but if a, if a halfway pretty woman walks in and I think she's pure evil, I'm in love. And I'm already... <laughs> you're um, just... You're like sitting in a witch's cauldron, just like, yeah, turn me well, into a potion. I think she really likes I, me. <laughs> I, I think I think part of this is is the ever present like joke and things like that of like the the person that you just can't capture, right? The person that you can't control, the person that you can't capture, the person that can't be tied down. You think you're going to be the one that's going to change it and like and like wrangle them and stuff like that. And like it's yeah, it's kind of that classic. Her. Yeah, it's that classic thing and she's also like a a mental challenge to him, right? Like she's obviously very, very intelligent, right? And she puts forth that throughout the way that she kind of knows the legal system and kind of is talking about it and, you know, certain things. She knows that she's very sexy and alluring and that, you know, when she kind of undresses and she's in a giant fucking glass house, you know, and she knows what she's doing. And he's probably enticed by that because he's just like, I don't know what to do with this person, but I'm attracted to them. 
you know. Also, um, we're meeting him as a character after he killed a couple tourists. Again, yes. Ken and his fucking wife murdered herself. And he hasn't had a drink or cocaine in like three months. And he also quit smoking. So this is a man who was a fucking live wire and has forced himself to become a bureaucratic square, just like everyone wants him to be. And then he meets this broad who is fucking a rock star, has a live-in girlfriend. I was trying to think of an adjective, but honestly, I don't She's know. She's just a lover. Roxy. I don't She's even kinda... think they're in an intimate relationship. Roxy like thinks they're... they are, but Catherine Well, doesn't. and that's why she kills Boz, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and yeah, she's got, well, I would, yeah, I guess I was going to say live in lover, but I don't know if it was actually live in because she was over all the time, but maybe I Roxy not. was working for her or that's just something I inferred. I think you inferred that because she's always around. Yeah. I just kind of thought Roxy was like her girl Friday. I was going to make a joke about how lesbians move in with each other very quickly, but <laughs> Decided not to. Um, but I decided to talk about it anyway, so I'll still get in trouble. Good job. Good job. Yay. <laughs> um, right. And then he goes up to her and she's all like, Ooh, I'm hot. Ooh, I don't really care that this guy was murdered. He was just a good fuck. I don't love anyone. I'm a smoking, literally smoking a cigarette. Like, ah, I'm everything you want. And he's just like, Yeah, you're every bad decision I could make all rolled into one, baby. And I want to make them all. Cause for three months. This dog's been on a leash, but now he wants to break out. I don't know. I couldn't, I don't know if there's an analogy to go along with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's basically like he meets her once and then he goes to the fucking bar and he's like, you know, Hey, set me up with some gross looking drinks. I'm about to get fucking sloshed and then rape my therapist who is also my lover. And, um, I'll probably do some cocaine at some point. Do you think that scene was actually considered a rape 30 years ago, though? Um, uh, You know, the fact that she's like looking like she enjoyed it afterwards. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's how it's certainly filmed. I will agree with you. I think that you are supposed to be like, ew, Michael Douglas, what are you doing? But then it's like, oh, she seemed to have liked it. Well, I think like, I think part of is it, it supposed it, to be a rape or is it supposed to be their their play exactly exactly that's before i don't i don't know but it's, it's hard yeah to that's say. that's the that's the issue is 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 you walk into that and you're like holy shit he's he's like clearly raping her well she seemed and upset then, that like it wasn't making love and he was like i wasn't making love uh, i was fucking <laughs> like yeah you know so i don't well, know i don't know but, but again I, she's like she's not like we need to talk about what just happened she's like you know actually that was pretty fucking great so I don't know. I don't, you know, it's a man um, definitely wrote this movie. Oh yeah. Joe Esterhouse snorted fucking fat rails of Coke. <laughs> probably had sex with at least one hooker and then, uh, sat down and wrote a couple pages of this movie on like a bar napkin with human blood. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A scene like that is, it does make you think, but I think one of the things that makes Paul Verhoeven, so uh timeless isn't the right word so ahead of his time is that like you watch something like starship troopers and you're like another movie of his that i believe we talked about on this podcast and you're just like in the moment you're like oh this is fucking crazy i don't think he like this is like these people seem a lot like nazis 
And it's just like, oh, yeah, that was his fucking point. Like 20 years later, people are like, oh, you know, it was a great movie that really satirized our rising, like, you know, military fetishistic state was Starship Troopers. The movie that we all thought was just fetishizing a military state. And so it almost feels like maybe Paul in the moment was like, people in 2022 are going to get that this is real fucking borderline (laughs) and is probably a rape that we're going to excuse because A, it's Michael Douglas, and B, afterwards, she seems like she maybe kind of enjoyed it. Well, and and again, right, L. Who wrote L? Oh, I thought I thought L? you said rape bell, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, we." What? I'm I'm not I'm not sure, Robin. I know who you, what you're talking about. You're talking about L is uh, uh, the uh, Hooper movie. I think Verhoeven directed it, but he, he definitely didn't write directed it. it. I don't know. Uh, he didn't. Does he? He writes right. He's written some. Of he L? co-writes. He he does like a pass. He doesn't. He doesn't like write right. He like sometimes gets involved with the with the writer and like gives them so help or gives them hints or stuff like that yeah plus i'm sure his direction is basically like writing so the the writer of <laughs> exactly. l the writer of l the novel which is apparently called o with an ellipses o h dot 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 Ugh. is <laughs> was that you saying you at the name or saying no that was like, my interpretation of that umlaut no, it's uh, no, it's O H ellipses. It's not an umlaut. Oh, it's it's oh yeah, it's oh. like what you said. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Is <laughs> it, oh, or is it oh oh? I don't know. did Benedetta okay. too. Yeah, he did. We talked huh. about that. I mean, I remember talking about it, but I forgot that he directed it. So this is Philippe Gian, D-J-I-A-N. Again, I don't know how to say people's names. And the screenplay was by David Birk. Hmm. Who has yeah. also written the Slenderman movie, 13 Sins Which and Benedetta. The, it's called Slenderman. I think there's been multi-Slenderman. There have been many Slenders, man. Um, this was 2018... Oh, okay. This star Joey King. Yeah, the the Slender Man that came out. I think there were multiple yeah. movies in development. Right, there was a Mila Jovovich one too, wasn't there? But I know I that remember. that one, that 2018 one, is supposed to be pretty good. Oh, really? I thought they were all terrible. Oh no, no, no! I'm thinking of the Thin Man. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> hey, Slender Man, Thin Man. I don't know, man. And and Verhoeven has Hollow Man, so you know, all sorts of men going on over here. Um all I don't sorts know. of men going on. I I uh, think I think all all of this stuff is is fairly like I don't know. Like Robin, would you Having said what you said, that you didn't really enjoy this, would you recommend it to other people? Yeah, why not? I mean, there. I should say that, like, personally, it didn't do a lot for me. Um, I didn't find the, the twist all that twisty. I was just wasn't, you know, aroused by this movie in the way that you're supposed to be, like, intellectually or sexually or whatever. So... Yeah, I personally didn't like it, but I appreciate it. Like, I have a lot more respect for the movie because of its 
you know, innovations because of its impact on cinema, because of, you know, what it represents of in, you know, 1992. So I have no problem saying like, if you're into X, you might enjoy Y. Like if you're somebody who likes noir, why not? I personally am not a fan of noir. So it's just not a movie I would recommend to somebody like myself, but yeah, why not? I didn't, I didn't dislike the movie. I just didn't, it just didn't like it. If that makes any sense. It's, it's interesting. Cause I'm, I'm reading up on kind of the reaction to this film and this thing made a shit ton of money. Oh yeah. Um, it, I mean, it that's why Joe over... Esterhaus was able to get like $2 million for showgirls. Cause he, he rolled into the office and was like, hi, I just wrote basic instinct. What about a movie that's 14 times sexier? And as stupid, him. Um, <laughs> did you say a stupid or just <laughs> 14 times but a stupid? I wanna, 14 times a stupid. I'm going to be my own ombudsman. I cannot find any proof that there was ever a movie that involved Mila Jovich and Slenderman. So I I'm glad we solved that mystery. I could have sworn she was in a movie that was like not Slenderman TM, but was Slenderman esque. <laughs> but um I was wrong. Skinny uh, dude. <laughs> and apparently uh the Slenderman movie with Joey King is is fucking terrible. Yeah, I have a friend who actually produced that movie, so hey. <laughs> so okay. Hopefully he'll get his payday soon. I guess it's uh, streaming now on Hulu with a premium subscription, so Check it out, I guess, if you like movies that are rated 3.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and 1 out of 5 on IndieWire. Goodness. Yes. Um, what else? I had another thing that I was like, oh, I found that thing I was talking about. Oh, yes. In a, in a letter dated March 21st, 1949, uh, Raymond Chandler wrote the following to Jamie Hamilton. I remember several years ago when Howard Hawks was making The Big Sleep, the movie. He and Bogart got into an argument as to whether one of the characters was murdered or committed suicide. They sent me a wire, there's a joke about this too, asking me, and damn it, I didn't know either. Of course I got hooted at. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Would you recommend this movie, Bill? I would. I think... Like I mentioned, like this movie is difficult because it isn't what you kind of make it out to be. Um, It is very sexual, but it's not it's it's in this typical Verhoeven kind of like juvenile kind of weird way that's super stylized and stuff like that. Um, And I think. The interesting part about it more than anything is the idea that she knows that she's being targeted. She knows she's kind of being being accused of this stuff and she doesn't give a fuck and she doesn't and she she messes with him like there's there's that sequence when she comes over to his apartment and he's like trying to give her a drink and starts like chipping away at this ice block to get some ice to put in a, in a glass. Which, and she's like, 
let me do that. We, and you're just like, oh. Well, he's already seen her using an ice pick. We need people on this podcast who can answer the question. In the early 90s, was there an ice pick renaissance? Like, were people still getting ice blocks? I remember my grandma, my grandmother telling me about when the ice man would come and bring a block of grandma, ice. Grandma, grandma. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, we'd go out and he'd he'd pull an ice block off of the back of his truck and you know, we'd we'd have it and we'd put it in the ice box and and I'm just like, you know, here's the other thing though, is once again talking about TikTok, I follow a lot of bartenders on TikTok. And I'm talking like more than cocktail level bartenders, right? These are people who are fucking crazy. Mixologists. I don't know if even that's a flighty hoity toity enough word to explain some of these people. They will take a legitimate 40 pound block of ice and then carve from it a glass in which to make a beverage. <laughs> they like these people are bananas and they will use like multi prong ice picks. I saw a man who made an ice ball that was perfectly sphere using what looked like a tuning fork. I mean, these guys are incredible, but like this isn't a thing that people do. Like, why do people need an ice pick? I need someone to come out and be like, oh, in the 80s and 90s, it was a time of ice picks. I was really confused about that because I just kept thinking, why didn't he just buy the bag of cubes? Right. Like, that's the thing. Even if you don't have an ice maker or you don't have an ice cube tray, like, just you're going to have to go get a bag of ice. Like, you just drop it on the floor like a normal person. Why are you or stabbing it with a knife like a normal person? Don't go buy an ice pick. Wait a minute. But so again, I thought I an ice he's... pick was something that you was like a tool you use because of your car. No. What? No. Wait a minute. Okay, let's backtrack. My <laughs> Yes, please my let's let's two backtrack. references for ice picks. Okay. Are Trotsky? It was Trotsky, right? I have no, no idea what that you're was talking a, about. That was like a pick pick, wasn't it? No, it was an ice pick. I thought it was like a like a steel pick for like mining. Well, in my mind, it was an ice pick. So right. that's I've Googled the word. I'm Trotsky pretty sure it's murder. Trotsky ice pick. So that's my number one. But I thought an ice pick was like the thing that you you like stab ice on your car and then you get ice off. Like no, I didn't even know like it was like scraper. A, you can't use a metal piercing so an ice pick is a thing that actually exists in your house yes like it is but ship okay off of the ice block some ice for your beverage okay okay i just i don't understand why i'm writing trotsky murder and it's just not fucking telling me how he died because google is terrible these days uh, okay i'm gonna scroll down to the end Le assassination murdered after failed survived a raid a mountaineering axe was how he was killed. A mountaineering ice axe has a narrow end called the pick and a flat wide end called the adze. The adze of the axe wounded Trotsky, fracturing his per peritial bone and penetrating seven centimeters into his brain. The blow to his head was bungled and failed to kill him instantly. Witnesses stated that Trotsky spat on Mercator and began to struggle fiercely with him, which resulted in Mercator's hand being broken. Yeah, this says, this says Trotsky was actually murdered with an ice axe. Correct, which has a side that is called a pick, 
But it seems yes. as though the blunt side is what was used to murder him, which is I get that, but I'm funny. just saying like in in the like the legend has become that he was murdered with the ice pick. Correct. Yes. yes. Well, so I I've read a lot of books about assassins, like not real assassins, like, you know, Hollywood style, like the Mitch Rapp books by Vince Flynn. Um, and in those books, about to talk about Abe Reels. What? What's so there's this guy says the most feared hitman of his day. Abe Reels used the ice pick as a weapon of his choice, usually oh, stabbing his victims in the ear. Right. That's the there's thing, also another that guy the cool that, thing that claims to have. There's, there's also a guy that claims to have killed 200 people and his Iceman? weapon of choice. Uh, his name is Richard Kuklinski. Oh, yeah, that guy's probably full of shit. But also he might be a... Didn't they make that movie about him starring yeah, Michael, Michael Shannon. Shannon? I saw that. Yeah, there's actually a really great last podcast on the left series about that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, like the big thing about the ice pick is is in like fiction and stuff is you stab a guy in the ear, right? And you jiggle it around, you scramble his brain, then you pull it out. And there's not a lot of blood vessels in there, right? So, like, you can do it and then get away before anyone really realizes the dude's been murdered. You know, you can, like, leave him sleeping there like Tom Cruise at the end of uh, Collateral. Spoilers for Collateral. The ice pick is a pointed metal tool used from the 1800s to the 1990s to break, pick, or chip at ice. During the 1800, blocks of ice were gathered from frozen water sources and distributed to nearby homes. Ice picks were used to easily cut the blocks into smaller pieces for use. In many cases, the smaller blocks were used in ice boxes. Eh? Ice boxes similar to refrigerators. The major difference is that ice boxes would only stay cold for a limited time. They need to be restocked with ice regularly to continue to function properly. Picks slowly began to lose its popularity in the early to mid-1900s due to the creation of the modern refrigerator. Many refrigerators came with a built-in ice maker, which allowed for easy access to small ice chunks at any time and eliminated the needs for the ice pick. Today, the ice pick has become basically obsolete. As yeah, it should. I, One way the yeah. ice pick is still in use today is through bartending. Bartenders go to great lengths to create new and unique beverages. In many cases, a bartender will use an ice pick to create various shapes out of blocks of ice. This allows them to create a unique ice creation to add to any beverage. Leon Trotsky is sometimes incorrectly said to have been <laughs> killed with an ice pick. That's because the the biggest section of the entirety of the ice picks Wikipedia page is use as a weapon. It is. Yeah. In 2018, a 24 year old, a 25 year old man was killed at a Jamaica bus stop when he was stabbed with an ice pick. That raises more questions than it answers. I was going to say there's not a lot of ice in Jamaica, but I guess they probably, Oh wait, is this Jamaica Queens? <laughs> it was Jamaica Queens. I apologize. I, there's a part of me that knew that as I, you were saying it. This, but like the, so my problem is that every time people say Jamaica, I'm like, Oh, Jamaica Queens. And then they're like, yeah, when I went there for my honeymoon and I was like, probably not Jamaica Queens. So this time I tried to not be so USA centric and it, uh, it bit me in the ass. Uh, the ice pick was also used for transorbital lobotomies. 
Mm-hmm. So any final thoughts? So first of all, I want to say that we talked basically not at all about how great this movie looks. Um, cinematographer Jan de Bont, who was mauled by a lion. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think he's the guy who was mauled by a lion, right? On the set of Roar. Someone looked it up for me. Sure. Okay. Um, Jan de Bont, I mean... The thing, like, I watched this movie on my computer and on my phone, and I don't feel bad about that because I have seen it on TVs before. But even on those screens, this looks like a motherfucking movie. Like, just the way that things are framed, the way the camera moves, like, the the, the wide compositions, so that, like, everyone is constantly in a frame with someone else. The shading... The use of shadow. I mean, this movie looks fantastic. And it's like, I'm watching this and I'm like, this is more cinematic than most of the movies that we get nowadays. Because like most of the movies we get nowadays are point and shoot, previs, like whatever. Like no one gives a shit. And this is just non-ostentatious cinema. You know, just like low angles, showing the scenery, showing the people. Like when they enter her house for the first time. It's not even like an establishing shot. It's just like a low angle of them walking and then like a slight pivot to show the Picasso that she has. Like, it's great. This movie looks fantastic. It's shot beautifully. And then I also wanted to call out the music by Jerry Goldsmith, Uh which I heard like the first three bars of. And I was like, oh, this is the musical genius who gave us the score to L.A. Confidential, isn't it? And it was. The music definitely stands out. And again, like, this is just a movie that got made once. Like, this this is, it's like, I don't understand why we can't have movies like this anymore. I know this is becoming, like, an annoying part of every episode. I'm like, oh, the good old days. But, like, yeah, can you imagine how much a movie like this would probably flop nowadays? Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, this, I was going to say this old ass man is, like, a shitty cop who's fucking a woman. I don't even know how old Michael Douglas was in 1992. Looked like he was in his 40s. I don't know if he, he was. He probably would have been in his. Let's look it up. He was born in 1944. So yeah, I mean, even like, Sharon Stone's character is supposed to be 30, and she looked a lot older than 30 to me. But that could have been the she? costuming. I think it was the she, costuming. I think Women it was the costuming. In the 90s, constantly looked always British. looked almost like <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus looks younger now than she did in during Cape Seinfeld. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of not ju- who is Juliet Lewis, not yeah, Juliet Louis. Louis <laughs> so he was born in '44. So he was just shy of 50 when they did this movie. Wow, who was my guess? Was pretty good then, right? That's what I'm saying. He's fucking hot as shit. Oh, uh, that that just means that he looks really good for being no, in his he's 50s. Got country miles on him. <laughs> He's looking good. If Okay, if I look a tenth as hot as Michael Douglas does when I'm pushing up on 50, I'm just going to like, you know, I'll know that God is real. Like, otherwise, <laughs> like, oh, God. Or that I mean, you're a witch. I wish that I was a witch. No, no, I think I'm okay not being a witch. Sharon Stone was born in... That was a rough transition. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Is she a witch, Brian? Yeah, she's 100% a witch. So she was like in her mid-30s. Yeah, she she looked older. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, I didn't think she was like 20-something, but like she, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know. If I met a woman and she was like, hi, this is who I am and this is how old I am, I'd be like, oh, you look fantastic. I don't know if I'd even say for her age. I think she just looks right. I But there's something about that costuming. And I thought that w- I maybe I was listening to a podcast or something. Oh, you know, what? it was uh, I'm reading a book on the history of color. And the yes. author is describing how people who wear ivory and white have to be able to afford to clean it because Mm -hmm. you just can't wear that all the time. Otherwise you're just constantly, you know, you'd either need the labor for it or you need the, the, um, the capital to be able to wash that all the time. And I thought that was place it like just straight up. Right. Or or just straight up replace it. Yeah. 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 Well, I think she was talking historically that, you know, people who wore a lot of ivory or something or ivory colored fabrics, you know, had to have an army of helpers behind them essentially to get well, all that dirt out. But, but, but I mean, that's what I'm saying is, yeah, but I'm just saying in the, in a whole historical context. Yes. So I do think that, you know, Catherine wearing all that white, you know, it, it, it's so emblematic, right? It's not just, it's not just symbolic of her character who is very cold, you know, cause that's just who she is. But it's also the ice queen. It, yeah, exactly. But it's also showing that, you know, this is a woman with money. This is a woman who can afford to dress herself uh, like she has an army of helpers behind her because who else can wear that much goddamn white? Sure. I, I mean, I mean, I think I think the money is established in so many other ways, though, about about her character. Well, they tell but- us, but this is how they're showing us. I mean, they show us by when they pull up to her crib and you're just like, holy fuck, what is this? It's a giant glass mansion, you know, and it's it's I think there's like a lotus and there's I think there might be two like identical lotus in the front. And, you know, if you know cars, then, you know, a lotus is a luxury sports car and just like, oh, shit, like you know, but I understand what you're saying. And also like the the cover image is her in this white dress. Right. Which is also a a direct like callback to the infamous scene of her crossing and uncrossing her legs and stuff like that. Um, you know, I. I think. I'm trying to remember that sequence because I remember that sequence was so interesting to me. Um, Oh, it it was because like I was kind of under the impression that she does that to kind of sexually entice him. And there's a room full of dudes. Exactly. Also, that room is insane looking. I don't know. Like I like movie police stations and interrogation rooms. Like that seems like the type of room where you should be like autopsying an alien. It does not sure. seem like the type of room where you interrogate one single woman. Yeah. What do I know? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's, the Bay Area police actually have a crazy ass production designed interrogation room. I'm looking at pictures of her in this movie to try to understand like just kind of like our reaction to her. Is it because she has short hair? Like, is that it? Like, is it the hair? I think her hair's pulled back. It's not short. Oh, it's not short. It's just pulled back all the time. Cause like, what do you every, mean our reaction picture, to her? Like, well, Robin had been saying like, just about like the kind of, Oh yeah, I guess she does have, well, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I think oh, I bet you could make like an entire book about what her hair in each scene says about. Yeah. Her. So like, I look. That's at why a I think the costuming her. is interesting. Right. I mean, like that's another thing. It's just like there's every element of this movie is very well thought through, which I, I feel like is a thing that might be true of a lot of movies nowadays. I'm not going to like belittle the work of our fine costumers, but definitely this is like I don't want to say self consciously, but very obviously like thought through and very important. And I think it like demands that you look, cause like the, when they come out and they find her overlooking the turgid sea and she's got her hair down and she's wearing like a, a floofy sweater. And that's like her post. Well, no, cause I don't think she murdered the guy, but clearly this is her relaxed, <laughs> like, not expecting. It's funny that I have to be like, no, remember you don't think she killed that guy. It's totally headcanon. I but mean, when- I'm pretty sure that, the people who made this movie just want you to assume that she killed everybody. Uh, and got away I don't with think it. so. But so then she's got the glass. Uh, so this is when he's giving her the the Jack and Coke. Well, no, because she doesn't have any Coke. <laughs> um, she's got her hair up with a couple of loose strands flowing down. But when she's in the interrogation, she's got like her hair fucking pulled back, combed back, mm-hmm. just like tight, like not a single trestle loose. And then when she's in the doing the ice pick the first time, she's once again got it slightly up, but a little, a little, little, little flyaways and stuff to look good. I wonder if I can find one of her in the bar. You know, Sharon Stone's a genius, right? Like she's got a genius oh, IQ. Probably, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I can't. I can't find a picture of her in the club. But I'm positive right. she has an hair choice in the club. Yeah, I just didn't want us to like leave this movie having only talked about like come cocaine erections and other, other <laughs> the such story. Things. In other words, <laughs> oh, you know what's interesting? In the club, hair up, and even though it looks a little wild, it looks very quaffed. So I think what we're reading into this scene is that she is trying to give the appearance of being out of control to draw him in while actually being in control. Anyway, you can look for my book, uh, The Hair of Basic Instinct, coming <laughs> from Knopf in, in a year or two. Um, yeah, that's going to be fun. I don't know, Bill, this was your choice. Did it live up to your expectations? Are you happy that we did this? Of course. Yeah. Awesome. Robin, any final thoughts? I'm glad I saw it. And and I kept, so I knew that Sharon Stone had an Oscar nomination and I've known that it was for Casino, but as I was watching this movie, I kept thinking, yeah, of course she got an Oscar nomination for this. It was like, I got, I got some kind of amnesia watching it. <laughs> <laughs> thinking like, yeah, like this is the movie she got her Oscar nomination yeah, for, but she did it. Any awards or anything? Oh yeah. It's a uh, nominated for two Oscars. And those Oscars were best film editing and best music. Yeah, I knew the music had gotten. I mean, it's an great award, music. but in hindsight, it's definitely one of those performances where you're like, where where she a lot of times shows up on the should have been nominated so list for things called the 2020 awards, like the hindsight awards. I'm assuming that that's what they mean. And she was nominee best actress Sharon Stone. So, yeah, I guess, what is it? It says nominee Felix. Oh, I guess the, the 2020 award is a Felix. What's a Felix? I, the, the 2020 awards. As much as the Academy Awards oh, are an Oscar, oh, gotcha. this is a Felix. Oh, that's but, funny. 
Yes. So yeah, the 2020 awards in 20 in what what is this saying? 2013. Yeah, in 2013, the the 2020 awards. I think she won. It says. It makes no, sense. I think it's an all time, yeah. but even still, she's an. This is an all time great performance. I think we can all agree on that one. Um, she'll. She's obviously never done it again, frankly. Even though, of course, she was great in Casino, but it. It's just like having there's a difference between, I think, the legend of the movie or the legacy of the movie and actually watching it. And that happens sometimes where you're like, really like that. But this is definitely one of those movies where it does come together for me in terms of that um, that imprint it leaves on the culture compared Mm -hmm. to the actual experience of watching it, even though I didn't love the movie. But like, for sure, she's pretty excellent in it. So the 2020 awards uses the advantage of time and perspective to annually reevaluate films from 20 years ago. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they exist anymore. Their last tweet is from <laughs> June 29th, 2021. And it says on our final podcast, we talked to someone who's been an inspiration, blah, blah, blah. And if you go to their website, which was 2020 awards.org, it now takes you to Spobet, which appears to possibly be, some sort of foreign soccer league channel. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> I think we're done here. I agree. Uh, great movie. Glad we watched it. Glad we got a chance to talk about it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it only ever feels like half a podcast if we don't get to talk about come openly. <laughs> so I'm glad that Maybe we, we need to pick some more chased movies. <laughs> Uh, on the subject of speaking of which, Robin, (laughs) uh, I'm checking the list right now. It's either, it's either don't worry, darling or blonde. I can't remember. Which one has the higher chance of having come in it? I think, well, first of all, I know for sure blonde does because I've seen it. It does. Oh, Uh, we're watching blonde then. Well, I mean, we're watching blonde the next week. Come, come, come. I don't know if we see the come, but like, but. That's yeah, because don't it's so a, it's a part of the, the mystique of this movie. Yes, so yeah, because Blonde is like hitting theaters and then it's hitting Netflix, right? One or the other, I can't remember. But I think Bill's correct. I think we're. Talking I know about it's don't definitely worry, going darling. to Netflix, but yeah. Don't worry, darling. The movie that dares to ask the question: Did Harry Styles spit in? <laughs> so I'm annoyed about this movie because. They, I, I got a screening invite, but it was for 2 p.m. and there was no other evening screenings. And I'm like, how bad is this movie going to be that they didn't even offer us evening screenings? I think people read into that stuff too much. No, I am definitely one of those people. People away when they do it at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's like when you give me a uh, a screener or like the two o'clock two o'clock screenings often happen for a lot of awards contenders. Like in in November and December, like you get a lot of like fucking riffraff out. They're like, ugh, we we only want the serious, you know, critics who are. Well, I mean, those are usually press screenings, anyways. Well, usually for mine. It, they don't only just offer for a movie this big. They usually would not just offer a, an, a morning or an afternoon screening. So that's why I'm a little surprised. It, I'm just this, telling you, it's is... it's it's a wink, wink, because when I get something that says the embargo is the day the TV show premieres, that I know something's wrong. Yes. 
Yeah, any time yeah, the embargo I mean, breaks that, that, the day again, of, or even the day before, yeah. it's like, ooh, you guys know something's wrong. Yep, that's that's or usually like a good sign. Care. But yeah, I've I've definitely seen it happen the exact opposite, where you, you see something that's you know embargo that day, and you're like, holy fuck, this is great. And yeah, no, turns I mean, out it is. That. So. It's usually something like the shallows or something where they're like, yeah, I don't know, it's a program or whatever, like. <laughs> it's either it's either ambivalence and like laziness or oh jesus oh fuck oh god this is terrible what are we gonna do we can't not release it okay here it is but yeah looking forward to it cool so yes we will be talking about that one thing and then next week we're gonna be talking about that other thing yeah um, i'm excited uh, to talk about both blonde am, was a crazy movie i'm i'm excited to talk about blonde i'm uh i don't i don't give a shit about don't worry darling I'm glad Same. I finally. I'm glad I finally started saying the title right, though. No sudden move. <laughs> I can't wait to call it "Don't Worry, Baby" because that's the Beach Boys song. And then also, I hate the fact that there's no comma in the title, but that's unrelated mm. to anything else. Um, so that's fun. Look forward to those. That's going to be great. Swell, awesome. Can't wait. Uh, until then, uh, what else? Uh, go to patreon.com slash film show. Give us your money. Don't forget that you can also, uh, get a free 30 day trial subscription to movie by going to mubi.com slash film stage. Again, that's movie.com slash film stage for, uh, 30 days of great cinema for free. And, um, that's that. So let's, uh, tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we shout about come Robin Barr. Thanks. What a transition. Um, you can find me at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my Twitter handle. It's also my letterbox. Uh, you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. And Bill Graham, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet much, but I am on Instagram at Billstagram and always mixing it up in the Slack channel. Awesome. As for myself, uh, you can find all of my writings and stuff over at filmstage.com, uh, my personal site, BrianJerwin.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all of the social medias of which I take part uh, at Brian J. Rowan because I have a very strong sense of brand and not a lot of creativity. Uh, don't forget that you can also check out the distillery that I helped run at SchmidtSpirits.com and learn more about my personal spirits brand by going to InkwellWhiskey.com. And that is that. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. That song goes hard. <laughs>